Hallelujah. Turn your outline over to the back, and I want you to make this declaration with me this morning. We're going to say it together, and uh, just declare this with me. Are you ready? This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. The Word of God is seed that's sown into our heart. And uh, so this morning, let me just put it like, let me ask, if I asked you, what is the purpose of the church? Really, what is the purpose of the church? Well, let me give you this thought. I believe it is for us to give people something that they can't get anyplace else. The purpose of the church is that people would be able to come into God's house and find something in his house that they can't find anything else. The church is to have something to offer that the world does not. Amen. That's really what we have. We have what the world cannot produce. And in that, we, we offer life, we offer hope, we offer faith, we offer peace, we offer provision, protection. God has all of that. And when people find that in God's house, not only will they come, but they will keep coming. Can you say amen? So look at the cover of your outline. I started this a couple weeks ago and came in and uh, we dealt with the area of choice. And, and so doing just a little mini series on choice here. And uh, so I put this scripture on the cover of the outline there for you out of Psalms chapter 25. And uh, we'll just read it together again. But uh, and the, the title of this is choice, the most powerful element of our life. And so we made the choice to be here this morning. Amen? Had a lot of the choices, so always an option. We'll break that down a little bit. But we made the choice to be in God's house. But choices are made every day. Every day you're making choices. It is the most powerful element of our life. God created man, and he gave him the ability to make choice. And so Proverbs 25, I love the way the Living Bible says it. It says, who, where is the man who fears the Lord? Get this, God will teach him how to choose the best. Anybody like the best besides me? So I, I, just, I just like it when life goes good. Amen. I, I like it that, that he gives us a clear path, a straight path, a smooth path. Amen. But making choices, but always how to make the best choice, how to choose the best. He shall live with God. He shall live, get this, within God's circle of blessing. How many would take that? I live there. Amen. And his children shall inherit the earth. How many would like that for your kids? How many know, how many know the word of God is just good? It's good. So look at Friendship with God, though, is reserved for those who reverence him. word reverence there just means respect. Amen. How many have ever been disrespected? How many know what it means to be disrespected? You've experienced that. People have disrespected you. Well... That's what this means. But God says, those who respect me, who don't disrespect me, but respect me, look at With them alone, he shares the secrets of his promises. Wow. So how many know that's just some clear direction right there? Amen? Word of God just gives us some very clear direction. Now, last Sunday, the Spirit of God put on my heart and, uh, excuse me one second. And... Uh, 
I have, uh, I've shifted. I believe in, I love all the convenience. I love power. I love electricity. I love heat. I love cool. Amen. I love all the conveniences. But when it comes to walking with God, I love all the accessibility, all the tools, the trends that are out there. I love everything. I love all the conveniences that we make available here through the church and that. But when it comes to making choices for God, we have to decide whether we're going to make choices of convenience or conviction. Amen. And last Sunday, I, I, I purposed, I came at the end of service. God just got all over me, and I shared it with you. It came in at the end of service, and what God spoke to my heart in this area. And, and, and I really believe in this. As Psalm was talking about sowing seed, I believe in the power of a seed. I believe there's power in sowing, and there's power in seed to change your future. That when I sow a seed, I'm I'm not sowing for my present, I'm sowing for the future, and I'm rearranging things in my favor about what's ahead of me. Are you listening to me? And so last week, the Lord spoke to me, and I came, and the thing that God spoke to me about conviction for me personally is that in the area, we'll continue to make all the conveniences available, but the thing that God convicted me about is in in, in Leviticus 27 and 30, it says this, It says that the tithe, all the tithe of the land, whether the fruit or tree or the ground, whatever it is, the tithe belongs to the Lord, and the tithe is holy unto the Lord. And the Lord spoke to my heart about giving what is holy to the world. And so when I use, when we use credit cards, we use that, and I shared it last, last week in that in, at, the end of, at the end of first, second service. I didn't share it in first service, but if you add up really what we give, if half of our giving comes through credit card giving, then last year that amounts to over $15,000 that we gave to the banks just to be able to use our credit card. Because every time you swipe a credit card, you pay them a percentage, which means that percentage of what you're giving to God as worship is not going to God, it's going to the world. Amen. And so as a personal choice, I told Sue and I, I said, we are no longer using our credit card for giving. We, we have other things that we can do, but when it comes to giving, we are writing a check or giving cash because I want what is holy to go to the Lord. Amen. And so that's a conviction in my heart. There's convenience that makes giving easier. But I want to make sure that when I'm making choices that deal with my walk with God, I don't want to make convenient choices. I don't make choices that are by the conviction and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? So you pray about it. Let God lead you any way he leads you. But just think about it. What can we do for missions with another $15,000? I thought like that. That's more than our whole budget for the backpack giveaway. $15,000 would push our backpack giveaway to a whole other level. Are you listening to me? Just that, that we gave to the world instead of giving to God. So I love the convenience. I love making that out there. And we want everything earlier. And we like all the choices. We have two services because people like choices. If I want to go early, if I want to go late. We like choices. But many times our choices come down to convenience and not conviction. Are we doing all right? I didn't mean to get up in your wheelhouse. I've been sick for a few weeks. So I've had a lot to think about. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. So watch this. Give what is holy to God and learn to live. So our choices, follow me this morning. Our choices are the seeds that we sow which determine the harvest of our life. Every choice is a seed. Every choice you make is a seed that is sown. And that determines the harvest of your life. Words are the seeds sown into the soil of our heart. They produce a harvest that shapes the direction of our choices. The seeds that we sow by choice 
<coughs> Excuse me. So the seeds that we sow by choice, always, we need to always remember Galatians 6, 7. And if you'll turn there, I want you to just see this verse this morning. Galatians chapter 6 and verses 7 and 8. First four words, do not be deceived. Everybody say, do not be deceived. Now, let me just tell you this. Paul is not writing to the world. He's writing to Christians. The book of Galatians is written to believers, okay? To the church at Galatia. So, to an assembly like this. Paul is, and listen to what he's telling to Christians. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man... What? So, whatever a man sows. How many know whatever means any type of seed you sow? Whatever a man sows, whether it's a choice, whether it's an action, whether it's a word, whether it's a seed, whatever you sow, that is what you're going to reap. So basically, our life is a harvest based upon the seeds that we sow and the choices that we make. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Verse 8, for he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so sowing to the Spirit means that I have to go back to that question that we first talked about. Lord, am I being led by your Spirit in my decisions and in my choices? Is this convenient? Is this conviction over my life? I want to be led by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Mike Murdoch said this, when God wants to bless you, he sends a person into your life. And when the devil wants to destroy you, he sends a person into your life. And most times those people come with words. Words begin to influence because they get down on the inside of us. And then as we meditate on those words, they, they begin to affect the way we think. And then our thinking is what formulates the choices that we make. Are you listening to me? And so then it's so important who you're listening to. Or many times I'll ask people this. I'll say, who has a right to speak into your life? Or who speaks into your life? Who do you let? What words are being spoken into your life? Because words are influencers. They're seeds and they influence and they influence the choices that we make. So think about it. Both come for the purpose of sowing seed to shape your choice with the words. For this reason, my number one choice in life has to be re to receive the seed of God's word sown into the soil of my heart. The seed of his word will always produce a choice and a harvest agreeable with the desire of my heart. Amen. God's word always works and produces in agreement with what I desire in my heart. Everything I've ever desired to do, I've gotten to do just by living in agreement with God. Amen. My life has been so satisfied just learning to say yes to God. Hear me this morning. The soil of our heart will be filled with seed. We have the power to choose the source of that seed. Every choice we make from the seeds that we are that from the seeds that we allow to be sown into our hearts will either move us forward towards our destiny or hold us where we are. Our choices are either moving us forward or holding us right where we are. Our choices will either keep us on course or move us in the wrong direction. I want you to think about this going back to <coughs> excuse me, Galatians chapter six and verse seven. I want you to hear this statement. The waves of yesterday's obedience will splash on the shores of today for a season. The waves of yesterday's disobedience will splash on the shores of today for a season. That is what you reap, you will sow. Amen?
Now think about it. We can repent of the deed, but we cannot escape the consequence. I can repent of the deed. Father, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. But be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, that we reap. So I can repent and turn away and not do it again, but I still will reap the consequence. And knowing the reality of that, that's where, knowing that I can't escape that, so, but we can make it through the consequence by grace. Amen? God will grace us to get over bad choices because he's trying to help us to make better choices. But he doesn't get us away, which is one reason. The life of the Apostle Paul is the best way to illustrate that. How many remember when uh, the Apostle Paul got saved? the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, he gets saved. Paul was a persecutor of the church before he got saved. And after he got saved, when the Lord spoke to Ananias and sent him to, to pray for Paul, he says, I've already showed him what, what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. That seems kind of crazy, but listen, Paul sowed persecution against the gospel. And so the harvest was everywhere he went, he reaped persecution every time he preached the gospel. Are you listening to me? And so in 1st, 2nd Corinthians chapter 12, he said, Father, can you remove, there's been a messenger of Satan given to me for the, for, for the abundance of revelation that I should not be puffed up. And I prayed three times and asked the Lord to remove that. The messenger of Satan was not a sickness or a disease. It was a persecution that he was under. And Paul said, there's a weakness. He says, I, I just can't overcome this. And the Lord says, my grace is made perfect through weakness. The Lord said, I can't remove the harvest off of your life, but I can grace you to get you through it. Are you listening to me? And so even in that, in walking things through, when I begin to understand that, then it helps me understand grace to another level. Father, I made some choices. You heard me say it. I made the choice when I was a teenager to be an IV drug user. So the devil had the right to call in the harvest of hepatitis C against my life, and I had to walk through that season. He has a right to call in a harvest on the seed that we've sown because God is not mocked. That verse is very particular. God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, that's shall we also reap. Wisdom would say, make better choices when you sow. If you don't like harvest, choose better. That's why we read to you, Deuteronomy says, I set before you life and death. Choose life, blessing and cursing. Choose blessing. Are you listening to me? But some reason we choose to make different choices and usually get ourselves in a pickle. So if you don't like the waves that are flushing up on your shore, maybe you want to sow better seed. Could I get an amen this morning? So look inside your outline. Let's just talk about choice just for a moment. Choice defined. Choice defined is this. It is the act of choosing. It is a selection. Today you get to choose the word of God or you get to choose your own opinion. Every day we do that. We make a choice one way or another. What am I going to believe and what am I going to live by? The choice defined refers to the power of choosing, meaning that there is an option. Few decisions come without options. You go to Starbucks today, you order a coffee, they're going to give you a multiplicity of options. How do you want that? How, how many ever thought there'd be that many ways to have coffee? So you hear people walk in and they order, I usually go in, and, and whether it's there or any place else that makes coffee, I usually get a caramel latte with an extra shot with three pumps of, foam, uh, of, of caramel and no foam extra hot. Amen. Amen. 
And then somebody else would come, well, I would like it this, la, 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 blah, 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 blah. I think, man, would, I thought it was just coffee. Amen. But, but it comes with option. Every choice comes with option. At least two. Or there can't be a choice. Amen? If there are no options, there cannot be a choice. See, the ability to determine for oneself. Choice means the ability to determine for oneself what is the best part. Every day, you're making choices. What is the best part? You just made a decision in the offering. What was the best thing to do with your finances? Whether it was to sow and believe God or whether it was whatever your mindset is towards giving, you've made that concerning to be the best choice of what to do. Or in other words, that is called free will. You are a free will moral agent. God has given you the freedom to choose. It can refer to a person or to a thing. I want you to hear this though. The choice of obedience. What is the power of a choice of obedience to the word of God? The choice of obedience is this. When I choose to obey God's word, every choice of obedience moves me, shortens the distance to any miracle that I'm believing for. Every choice of obedience that you or I make to the word of God shortens the distance to any miracle that we are believing for. Somebody should say, that's a good word. Amen. So watch this. It refers to the fact that there must be sufficient number and variety um, to choose among. How many know when, it, when there's voting, there's all kinds of voting options. There's at least two candidates. How many know when you go to people and they have a menu? You go to different places in their menu. I like one-page menus. Amen. When you have to flip through a whole binder book to decide what you want to eat and stuff. Come on, we, we could simplify that, amen? But there's options, praise the Lord. It doesn't matter whether it's voting, menus, advertisement, there's always come with option. Choice means the act or opportunity of choosing. It suggests the opportunity or privilege of choosing freely. Option implies the power to choose that is specifically granted or guaranteed. Alternative implies, these are synonyms, applies a necessity to choose one and reject the other. That's what God says. I'm setting before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And he says, choose one or the other. He gave us the alternative. Preference suggests the guidance of choice by one's judgments or predilections. Well, this is what I like. I, I like this. I like that. I don't like this. L last night we had dinner, and part of the dinner was, was Brussels sprouts. See there? Some of you are, are predilected right now that you would not try Brussels sprouts. They were delicious. They had prosciutto ham in there. I mean, they were awesome. People go, no, nah, I don't do. President Bush said, George H.W. Uh, uh, Bush said this. He says, I don't like broccoli. I don't want it in the White House. I don't want it on Air Force One. I do not eat broccoli. <laughs> so you have that right when it comes to that. And so we have that freedom. But there are other things when it comes to the Word of God. When it comes to God's direction for our life and his plans and his purpose, Jesus said it like this, man does not live by bread alone, quoting Deuteronomy 4, 4, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We are to live by the word. Amen? The Bible says that in Peter 2, 2, that you are newborn babes and you're to grow by the sincere milk of the word. And then we'll grow up into a place of maturity in Hebrews chapter 5 that we're supposed to be able to hear the meat of the word. And not just be, you know, uh, uh, nursing babies our whole life. 
But Paul said, hey, you need milk. I can't give you meat because you haven't learned. Listen to what said. Hebrews 5 says, because not having your, your, your senses exercised to discern between good and evil. Or in other words, you're not making mature choices between good and evil. Amen? So maturity means, the sign of maturity is making quality choices. Selection implies a wide range of choice. Election implies an end or purpose which requires experience or judgment. So let's talk about the power of a choice for just a moment. The power of choice can be your greatest asset or your worst enemy. Choosing is either an asset or it's an adversary. The power of choice is the greatest element of destruction that the enemy of our souls can use against us. Think about it. David, in 1 Chronicles chapter 21 through 13, the Lord said to David, do not number the people. You do not need to know how big of an army you have. You need to know I am the Lord who fights for you. You need to listen to me, follow my plan for battle, follow my instruction. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know how big your army is. David said, yeah, but I want to know. So he numbered the people. And that one choice, one choice by one man, one choice by one man, caused 70,000 people to die. Are you listening to me? One choice by one man caused 70,000 people to die. Now, we live in a day and an age that says, you know what, it's my life. Listen to the argument about abortion. It's a woman's right to choose what to do with her body. But wait a minute, your right to choose what to do with your body has an effect on the life that is in your body. No choice is independent of other people. Every choice you make, we are interconnected together. You live connected to people. Whether you like people, don't like people, want to fellowship with people, don't want to fellowship with people, want to isolate yourself, be a hermit, your choices have impact on other people. There's no such thing as making a choice that, does, that only affects you and no one else. That's a lie of the devil. Think about it. David makes that one choice. David's choice to number the people when God told him not to brought about a whole new set of choices. And God said this, you, you can either have war or you can have famine. You want to make choices? You don't like that? You want to do it? I'll give you two notes. War or famine? And so that's when David, I read to you last week, David went up and he offered a sacrifice to the Lord to lift the plague. But as a result of that, 70,000 people died. See, our choices never touch just one life. We're not islands or individuals. We are connected to and through each other. Your genes, your DNA is connected. We are handed down. We're genetically connected to one another. Whether you like your family, don't like your family, I'm sorry, you're connected. Amen? And things are handed down. We're connected. Our character, our sins, we're, we're connected to one another. See, the problem or the answer, hear me this morning, the problem or the answer and the blessing to someone's life could be connected to you. As easily as David's choice brought catastrophe, if we make godly choices, our choices can bring answers and promises fulfilled in people's lives. 
when we choose wisely, when we make godly choices, our choices begin to have a positive impact and turn things around. It began in the garden with Adam and Eve, and it has never ended. Think about it. Adam and Eve were faced with a choice. Obey God's word. God said, hey, everything, what is it about it? Everything else is yours. You can have all this. How many ever watch little kids? See, many times we think we're grown up, but we're not much different than the little kids. I believe this. We are just kids in big skin. Some of us in very stretchy big skin. Amen. But kids have a whole room of toys. And what do they want to do? They want to go touch the thing that they've been told to leave alone. That's not yours. Don't touch it. So they walk over to touch it, looking at you like this. And to see what you're going to do. Now the difference is, God's a better parent than most people today. Because when you've told them not to touch it, and then you let them touch, oh look, aren't they cute? They're looking at me going, I'm touching it. You know what God does? Kawako. Amen? So God disciplines his children because he's teaching us. Because the reason he's told us not to touch it is that he knows there is a consequence with that. God never removes anything with you or from you or tells you not to touch, not to do, to keep something from you. He's trying to get everything to you. But everything that God has that comes through, it comes by making choices of obedience to his word. Amen. How many of you just want to go out and buy your kids presents when they're being disobedient, acting like total brats? You just want to shower them with blessing. Well, there you go. I wonder why my life isn't blessed. Well, how's your respect for God and what he's told you to do? I told you I've been sick. I've been thinking a lot for a while. I didn't mean to get so personal. Amen. So what? Adam and Eve were faced with the choice. Obey God's word. Obey God's word. What did they do? They chose to disobey. How did the enemy come to them? He came to them through the power of choice. Has God said? God's trying to keep you some. God knows in the day that you touch this and you eat this, He's keeping something from you. He's not. He, he's holding this away from you. He's cut you off. He, he's the God who takes away. He's not the God who gives. The nature of God is to give, not to take. Nothing about God takes. The only thing He came to take from you was sin and death and judgment. The only thing God takes off of your life is the curse. What He gives you is the promise. Are you with me? And so the enemy came through that power of choice. Think about it. Cain and Abel were faced with the choice on how to worship. The first murder in the Bible was over an offering. On how to worship God. How to give to God and honor God for his bounty, his blessing in your life. How do you say thank you to God for the blessing upon your life? Cain and Abel. Abel brought what God had required Cain brought what he thought God was worth. Cain gave God what he thought he was worth to him. Not what God told him how to worship him. Are you listening to me? Giving is worship. It's not just providing resources for men. Giving is your worship to God. It's you saying thank you to God for your life. 
Amen? And so Cain said, I think God, God's worth it. Worshiping God the way he says to worship, that's too much. I'm just going to give him what I think he's worth. And God says, I don't accept that. And Cain got mad because God accepted Abel's blessing. And that's like Sean was saying in the offering. When people see him blessed, and, and I like Dr. Savell, he talked about, he said, man, God has blessed my life. I've learned, I understand the principle of generosity and sowing, that everything comes is a harvest of seed sowing. So I choose to sow, and I sow, and I sow, and so blessing comes. And then people get mad because I'm a good sower, and I'm reaping a harvest. You know, people get mad when people get blessed. Well, I just can't believe you're so blessed. But, but, but if you do it God's way, it works for everybody the same. It's, 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 this isn't rocket science. Amen? And so God works in our lives. Watch this now. So what happened? Abel and Cain over proper worship. Enoch had a choice. Walk with God. Noah had a choice. Build or swim. Amen? Abraham had a choice, leave, believe, and receive. God said to Abraham, get out of the land of your fathers, go into the land that I'll show you, leave where you are, believe in my promise, and you'll receive the promise. And he made the choice to believe God. Joseph had a choice, give up or get out. Joseph could have given up in the prison. He gets a dream from God of leadership and, and what God's going to do in his life. And God has purpose, has potential for his life. Next thing you know, his brothers are beating him up, throwing him in a pit, wanting to kill him. Next thing you know, he's sold into slavery. And there he is serving, just walking in integrity, trying just to be a good, a good slave and a good servant, serving there in Potiphar's house. Next thing you know, th th this, th this woman is trying to seduce him and pull him aside. He says no to that, maintains his integrity. Then he's thrown in prison for being a man of integrity. Then he's in there for a year. And then the butler and the baker comes in, gets a word of knowledge for them. They get delivered out. He just says, hey, would you remember me when you get out? Two years later, they still haven't remembered him. So he had a choice, give up or get out. Now, once you hear this, the Lord gave me this. And this is for some of you that need to hear this this morning. Hear me, the enemy uses the delay that comes sometimes to our answers in prayer to discourage us and move us off of our faith. When, when answers don't come right away, we get discouraged. And he tries to move us off of our faith, to choose to let go, to give up, to settle for less, to accept defeat. The enemy can make you feel like your prayers are letters that have been posted and addressed to a non-existing residence. We forget that God is at work in and through our lives for his glory. That we are to live for his glory. He does not exist for ours. God does not exist for our glory. He exists for his glory. What was God getting ready to do through Joseph? Why would God give Joseph a dream of leadership? Because God was working his eternal plan through the life of Joseph. Are you listening to me? What God is doing, your life is connected to his eternal plan. You have more significance in the kingdom of God and in the plan of God than you can even fathom. You are people of significance. Every child of God is a person of eternal significance and purpose with God. Hear me. So when God says no, 
<coughs> or there is a delay to our request, it is because he has a better way to answer that will reveal his glory in a greater measure. How many know when, when Jesus got the news that Lazarus was dead? And he loved Lazarus with all his heart. But instead of moving right away, and he knows that Mary and Martha, they are grieving. I mean, these are dear friends, ministry people, people that he stayed in their home. These are very, very close friends to him, that he loves him dearly. And yet he waited four more days. And he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And so sometimes when God delays or, or God says no, it's not no like man says. We think, see, man says no, we think that's over. God says no, the no means there's a better way that's about to come your way. There's a better way that's about to come your way. And so God's delay positions us for his glory to be revealed in a greater measure. So how many know Jesus could have went to the house and healed Lazarus off of his sickbed? But how many know God got more glory when he said, roll away the tomb, and he spoke into the tomb of a man who had been buried for four days, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. God is trying to do some things in your life and in my life. He's getting ready to speak into some of the tombs of what we feel are dead prayers, dead promises, things that haven't been answered. God, why has it taken so long? How come you haven't moved on my behalf? Because God is about to get some glory through your life. Somebody ought to shout amen. amen. But I have a choice. Am I going to give up or am I going to get out? Think about it. His glory means his power, his presence, his provision, and his peace released through our life. God is not like man. He is no mean, simply, there's a better way about to come your way. I don't know about you, that excites me this morning. But let me give it to you like this. We forget that we are caught in a war. We are in a battle between two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. How many know that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world? My kingdom is not of this world. He says if it was, he told Pilate, if it was, then my, my followers would fight. But I'm not here. Jesus isn't here to redeem the earth. He isn't here to redeem the government. He's here to redeem humanity out of a fallen world in Colossians 1.13 and to bring us into his kingdom. Amen. And when it's all said and over, he's not just going to redeem this and make this better. He's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth and a glorified earth. And it's all going to be brand new, not just remodeled. Could you give him some praise in the house today? Come on, magnify the Lord. Amen. So think about it. So we're caught in that fight as the worship team comes back between light and darkness, heaven and hell. We need to remember everything God does in and through our lives and for us in life is connected to his eternal plan of redemption. And when he gets glory through it, more people are drawn to him. Amen? Now, I'm not going to get through this whole outline, but I want you to look at the bottom of page two this morning. I mean, the bottom of the inside of your outline there. Everything, let me give it to you like this. So after Joseph, it says, where will you have to go in order to get to your destiny? What choices will you be faced with? And how will you choose today? Everything you're going to do or be is already inside you in seed form. 
Everything is going to be in line when you were born. Your assignment was already inside of you in seed form. Seeds. These seeds. Some people thought by now I'd have beans growing out my ears because I ate some of these a couple weeks ago. I can either eat this seed to meet a present need or I can sow it to receive a future promise. How many know if I sow, eat this seed today, if I just cook these beans today, these peas today, if I I just cook these, they would satisfy a current need, but I would miss the future promise that's on the inside of them. How many know what's in them will meet a greater need than just one meal? How many know the increase in a seed for future is greater than the need it can meet in my present? Are you listening to me? And every day we make those choices. If I sow, if I sow one seed... I get a bean stock that grows multiple bean pods that contain multiple bean seeds. Amen. It's like one person said, you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples in an apple seed. Amen? One apple... That produces one seed that produces one tree, produces how many apples that have how many seeds that produce how many more trees. So I can either eat the seed to meet a present need, or I can sow it to receive a future harvest. Amen? It's just choice. That's just one of the choices that we face. The seed of your life. And the power of your choice is the influence that you have over your future. Your seed and the power of a choice is the influence that you have over your future. Every choice that we make either moves us further in our path of destiny or keeps us where we are or moves us backwards. Every choice. Do you stand with me this morning? Making right choices every day. This principle never leaves our life. We we make it on every level of life. I was mad the other day. There's been certain razors that I like to shave with. And I used to be able to buy them at Sam's Club and stuff, and they don't sell them anymore. And they were like a disposable razor, Gillette, three-blade razor. I've been shaving with them for years. And now they went to, you know, the little handle with the little heads, and you put the new head on. And I shaved with this this morning. Man, this just doesn't feel right. And I was just so upset because they took away my choice. And I'd found the one that shaved my face the best. Hey, Ben. But... It's just a choice, and, and I can adjust. But, but every day, 
And we get frustrated because we don't get the choices that we like all the time. Amen? But choice, your power to choose what you're going to do. I want you to hear this. I, I didn't get to it. But when it comes to your life, I want you to hear this. So powerful. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 8 says this. It says, if the princes of this world, the rulers of this world, meaning Satan and all of his dominion, if they'd have known who the Lord of glory was, if they could have seen what was in Jesus, they would not have crucified him. This is what you need to know. The devil can't see what's inside of you. He just knows that God creates nothing without increase. Every seed God made was to bring forth increase. The devil can only see your seed. He cannot see your harvest. Are you listening to me? Now you get time to finish it. So what does he do? He doesn't want you to sow the seed of your life into the soil of God's kingdom. He doesn't want you to make choices in the productive soil of God's kingdom. The only place your choices can produce the increase that God put on the inside of you is in the soil of God's kingdom. You cannot sow any place else and receive the harvest that the Word of God contains except into the kingdom. So what He wants you to do is He wants you, He, he offers us counterfeit soil. And he says, if you'll sow your life into the world, if you'll use your gift, your talents, your abilities in the world, then you'll get a greater increase from the seed of your life than you would by sowing in the kingdom of God. But he can't see what God put on the inside of you. He just knows that if you say yes to God, that the harvest on the inside of you brings destruction to his kingdom. So he is a self-preserving devil. Are you with me? And he's trying to get you not to sow your life into the soil of his kingdom. So every day we make that choice. No, the best place for me to sow. Every decision that comes down to a choice, I'm always going to choose the kingdom. I'm always going to sow. I want this choice to be a kingdom choice. Because the kingdom and the soil of the kingdom contains the harvest for the seed of my life. I want you to bow your heads with me. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you to do this. If there's something about your choices, where those choices have been in any area, any direction, I don't know where it is. But today you are faced with the choice to choose life, to choose the word in those areas. If you need to make any change in any choice in any area of your life, while well, we're just in a moment of just quietness before the Lord. I want you to step out of where you are and move up here right now to this altar. I want you to make a choice to move towards God. I want you to make a yes choice, a kingdom yes in your life to God this morning. If you need to make a change in any choice, sometimes it's an area. It might be in the area of reconciliation. We shared a few weeks ago or last Sunday night in prayer, we were talking about it, that when it comes to forgiveness, 
You have to give forgiveness. You have to sow forgiveness. Jesus said if you sow forgiveness, why? If you forgive, if you give forgiveness, your heavenly Father will give you the harvest of forgiveness. He will forgive you. You will reap what you sow. So it might be in an area of forgiveness. It might be an area of reconciliation. It might be in your finances. It might be in your choices. It might be to any area of decision that you make in dealing with anything. But make a choice for life today and say yes to God. I'm waiting.